Well, every dog has its day. Every investment category uh, has its fun times and not so fun times. Right now, property is the one that people are looking at askance and saying, will it ever recover? Kanyani Matlo, who's the Senior Portfolio Manager for Listed Property at Terebrins, has got some pretty strong views on that topic. We'll be finding out from him all about it in a moment. And this interview is brought to you by Terebinth, one of the platinum sponsors of the Fantasy Fund Manager competition. Kanyani, good to have you here. Property is your speciality. I see you. You did you, you trained as an economist in, uh, if I read your background properly. Worked at the Reserve Bank as an economist, the BR uh, Bureau for Economic Research. So. Going from economics to then working at Coronation Fund Managers and now at Terebin, um, that's not a, a normal process one would have thought from economics to asset management, or is it? Um, it is not um, sort of the norm per se, uh, but essentially from my point of view, in terms of what I wanted to do, um, it actually fit in with what my, my goal and my plan was. Um, so you're right, I basically uh, studied um, an economics degree at the University of Cape Town, uh, then afterwards, I was lucky enough to join the Bureau for Economic Research down in Stellenbosch uh, in the internship program for economists, after which I went to the uh, Reserve Bank and joined the modeling team there. I did a lot of macro research, uh, sort of modeling the macro variables uh, that the MPC essentially looked at for their uh, decisions um, uh, for interest rates. Um, and then from then, I was interested in essentially how sort of this macro research um, essentially fed into the financial markets, um, how allocation decisions were made. And that's when I decided to make the move um, coronation where I was part of the fixed income team. And essentially as property sort of straddles sort of uh, fixed income and general equities, uh, it was an initial fit for me at the time. Property was in its heyday. Um, every other week, um, essentially there was a listing, there were accelerated book builds, and there was essentially an opportunity for me to, to join the uh, property team at uh, coronation, uh, which I grabbed with both hands. And essentially that's how I made the transition. Uh, but I think... Um, in essence, because of sort of the qualities and attributes of listed property, uh, especially from a yield uh, point of view, being an interest rate sensitive um, asset class as well, uh, it lends itself to sort of that fixed income categorization as well, which is where uh, sort of I made the, the jump, uh, which uh, for me was um, part of your sentence seat in a way. Yeah. Some interesting parallels there. When I started in financial journalism, and you'll appreciate this, the old heads, the wise old fellows, uh, Harold, uh, Fred John, Howard Priest, these guys who were icons of the era, said to me, you have to write about money and capital markets. Now, you can imagine a greenhorn who didn't know a heck of a lot coming from a little town. What were the money and capital markets? But I'm ever grateful that they did that because if you understand the cost of money, interest rates, what make them move, then it really gives you a wonderful background for so much else. And in your case, not only did you understand that, but economics as well. So I guess, given that property is so uh, dependent on what happens in the economy, it's about the most perfect background you could have asked for. Absolutely uh, agreed. Um, and yeah, essentially having had that um, macro underpinning and then um, at the time basically having joined a house that um, essentially is focused on the fundamentals, um, I was able to essentially gain the skill set as well from the bottom up side. So um, it was essentially uh, one of those moments where um, I'm big, I'm grateful for um, in terms of how stars align to actually get me into the sector. And yeah, 
to find me myself here now. Terebinth is a boutique, very specialized, a good bunch of guys. It's almost like you've gone out and picked or been cherry-picked uh, by the, the, the colleagues that you joined. Uh, do you have a collegial type of atmosphere or is it very different uh, or similar to what you had at Coronation? I think um, it's a, a smaller house. Um, it's uh, basically a much um, sort of closer-knit uh, grouping, a family of sorts um, in a way. Um, I think uh, having come from uh, basically a slightly larger um, house, I think um, at Terebinth essentially we way more uh, nimble, um, essentially because of the team being sort of the size that it, it is. Uh, we're able to wear multiple hats um, as sort of the individual members, so you don't necessarily just focus on the area of specialty that you're in, um, and that's why also like I'm um, sort of the appeal um, is still there that I'm able to essentially do a lot of research on the macro side, but also focus on property. And then across the business also, there's other areas of responsibility. And it's like that uh, for most team members as well. So I think this sort of boutique culture essentially allows one to be proper entrepreneurial. Um, you're able to do um, a lot more than what your sort of um, assigned duties are essentially are on a day-to-day basis. Well, every investor likes to find an angle, likes to find something that nobody else has gone for and often digs in areas that are out of favor. Property's out of favor. Are you out of favor in your office? Are they asking you to do other work or are you finding that there's lots of potential now? No, no, there's definitely a lot of potential. Um, at Terebinth, just to give a, a bit of background, uh, because um, we um, essentially subscribe to the theory of cycles, um, we are macro house and we appreciate uh, essentially the, the macro environment and essentially uh, where we are in the business cycle and the opportunities that various points in the business cycle sort of present. Um, as a house, actually, we're quite constructive. Uh, on the on the sector, um, essentially to give you background, essentially our view is that we've had um, over the last call it 18, 24 months, um, a once in a generation development in uh, inflation, and on the back of that, you essentially have had um, this um, massive response by uh, central banks across the world in an almost synchronized way, um, and essentially the end goal of all of this tightening eventually is that uh, we're going to see something break um, in the economy. And at some point, even though for now, uh, policy essentially is adopting a higher for longer type of stance, eventually as um, sort of the macro response, which it hasn't done so much up to now, but eventually when it does, are uh, you going to see central banks uh, essentially uh, reverse course uh, to some extent? It may not basically go down to the lows we saw uh, sort of over the last 10 to 15 years. However, there's going to be some normalization um, and a point where uh, we have uh, basically an easing cycle sort of starting. And at that point, an interest rate uh, sensitive sector like property essentially will be well placed to actually benefit from that. Um, so to just give a, another sort of uh, sort of bit of background, um, where we sit uh, in the local property sector in South Africa, we've seen in the reporting season that's currently underway, um, a lot of companies that are actually reporting an improvement in fundamentals um, on the property side in SA. So uh, in retail, in industrial, in office, though not as much as in the other two, we're seeing some green shoots and some management companies are actually, some management teams rather, are actually talking about us having bottomed out. But the only um, sort of negative um, contributor to at this point uh, remains essentially the interest rate cycle and the environment where the higher for longer essentially is hurting your earnings because um, you essentially are paying higher interest rates when your uh, interest rates reset, even though the sector has call it 75 to 80% of their interest rate edge. Um, however, this 20% that's variable um, is taking a lot of strain due to this higher for longer environment. Um, as those sort of um, 
news get baked into the price, our share prices essentially have been quite depressed. And we believe that at current valuations over the medium term, essentially, you sit at a point where um, there's essentially an opportunity that um, over the medium term, these are very attractive entry points. And then when the cycle eventually turns, uh, you'll have actually picked them up at compelling valuations uh, from both the yield and a sort of discount to NAV point of view. So we're quite constructive, constructive on the sector. And we leave, believe that essentially over the next, call it one to three years, um, it can actually uh, give investors compelling returns if we pick up uh, basically the right opportune moments to actually gain entry into, into the sector. So if I understand you correctly, it's time to be accumulating now. You don't know where the bottom is. It probably Correct. hasn't bottomed yet, but uh, nobody rings a bell when you hit the bottom. 100%, yeah. So it's, it's very difficult to time the market. And essentially, because the stock markets are forward-looking, at some point, um, you're essentially going to start looking past sort of um, the, this bottom. Uh, but the point is to have exposure by the time that happens, because if you're not in, um, essentially things can develop quite quickly, especially because like uh, we have um, a global environment where things are quite uncertain and things can move in other direction rather quickly. But if you have exposure, if you're in it um, already, then when that moment arrives, essentially you basically are able to participate in the upside. So I think um, essentially our view is that it's key to go in um, valuations where they are already. I think that's sort of the risk reward trade off are skewed to the upside because you've already seen um, substantial sort of uh, headwinds to the sector. And if you look at how it's fed uh, in the year to date compared to the asset, uh, other asset classes, uh, it's basically uh, lagged. And for that reason, we basically believe that um, there are, are specific opportunities that the sector offers uh, compared to what uh, essentially you see in either general equities uh, or in the uh, sort of uh, conventional bonds um, within the SA market. Is all the bad news baked into the share price then? It's always difficult to say um, if all the bad news is baked in, but I would say we essentially approaching a point, if not already at a point of uh, peak pessimism. Um, so again, to your point that you can never pick the bottoms. Um, it's possible that basically over the rest of the year, uh, we see some slight uh, sort of downward movement. However, essentially where we are um, on a net basis, I think the, the upside potential certainly would um, outweigh, um, so out, yeah, upside potential would outweigh what, what um, the down, downside uh, would potentially give you. So yeah, it's difficult to say whether the bottom has been reached, but um, you never know. Peak pessimism. It's very easy for me to roll out a whole bunch of negative issues, but there's always another side to it. What are the positive signs that you're seeing? So I would say on the positive side, you have to break it down um, into the various sectors, um, if I can sort of go into it, I think if we look at the most um, interesting of the traditional sectors, certainly the industrial or what are essentially better sort of uh, described as logistics assets um, are in a sweet spot. You have uh, two factors on the supply side that, that are aiding um, essentially the fundamentals. One is that uh, you've got a scarcity of land, whether it is in KZN, whether it is in the Western Cape uh, or even Gauteng. There's very limited uh, sort of industrial uh, zone land that where essentially new supply can come come from. And then um, the other factor is that because you've seen uh, inflation over the last, um, call it 18 to 24 months, uh, construction costs have also gone higher. Um, and essentially that has prevented um, a lot of uh, developers basically bringing on speculative developments because the costs are essentially are elevated. So from that point of view, you don't have a lot of new shares coming on stream. And as a result of that, essentially supply is limited. And on the demand side, 
you've got um, retailers which are, um, are rolling out essentially e-commerce uh, strategies. Uh, you'll know obviously uh, on the Woolies side, the Woolies Dash, uh, Checker 6060, Pick and Pay has partnered up with Mr. D and take a lot for their delivery. So essentially that e-commerce um, strategy rollout um, essentially supportive for these distribution uh, warehouses, um, et cetera. Um, and essentially also like supply chain, supply chain optimization in general is also supportive from the demand side. So if you look at the logistics sector in general, um, it is in a sweet spot where uh, the fundamentals are essentially supportive of rental growth uh, going forward. If you look at retail as Sorry, well. Sorry, Kanyani, uh, before, you, yeah. before you go there. So sure. which are the stocks that would be appealing in the logistics area? Okay, so in the SA um, context, the um, the one specialist counter that is uh, purely sort of logistics focused is Equitas, um, and yeah, and then basically then within the other diversified portfolios, there will be uh, pockets of um, logistics exposure. Uh, sort of the next uh, best one would be Fortress, uh, which has uh, a substantial uh, logistics portfolio as well, and the other larger ones, essentially whether it be Growth Point or Redefine, also have. Um, exposure in the region of call it twenty percent of their SA direct portfolio within uh, basically uh, our logistics, the logistics sector. Yeah, you've made a very strong point for Equitas. So that's that's one we must put into the notebook. On to retail. Yeah. So on 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 the retail side, um, it's key to differentiate uh, between because like not all properties are the same. So you've got on the one hand rural um, assets versus those that are in urban areas. And within those, you've got different sort of qualities or um, a different makeup of the um, quality consumer. Some are obviously servicing the higher LSM um, consumers. Some are in the lower SM categories. And you see quite um, a lot of difference um, across those type of assets. So in the rural areas, it's mostly about um, those that serve um, essentially essential um, item size. It'll be your food, it'll be your groceries. So um, those I generally tend to be quite defensive through the cycle and you saw it um, even through COVID and coming out of COVID, these sort of rural centers are the small ones, um, especially uh, where essentially the first to recover uh, from essentially a trading density growth point of view, as well as um, the ability to grow rentals uh, upon renewals. So those were, were um, the, the main beneficiaries are coming out of COVID and then the ones that are sort of the larger format one with a sort of more discretionary type of uh, tenants, whether it's, it be leisure or entertainment, um, and basically larger sort of fashion offerings, uh, essentially the likes of your Sentence City, your Mall of Africa, and so on, um, they were slower to recover. However, we've seen um, in the sort of the latest reporting season that they've also come to the fore, and the negative reversions of, say, call it um, the double digit in the negatives have basically compressed, and you're seeing as numbers closer to sort of the mid-single digits uh, with essentially outlooks that uh, we could start seeing as positive rental growth over the next sort of 18 uh, to 24 months. So certainly on the retail side, there's all of those nuances, um, but like the the general trend from a fundamental point of view, notwithstanding the sort of the tough macro and the, the pressure on the consumer, I think given the low base that we come from, given the tough lockdown uh, periods of, of sort of the COVID period, uh, there's actually a lot of sort of upside because there's been a lot of rebasing in rentals, but going forward, there might be potential for, for good growth in those rentals, especially if you look at uh, the rent to turnover ratios that are the, the landlords report, which are at healthy levels and should be supportive of rental growth uh, going forward. Um, and then the last one on the office side, uh, it remains sort of the, the lagging sector of the three traditional ones. Um, essentially, that is a story of oversupply, especially in the Gauteng node, uh, specifically Santin. 
You've got um, vacancies that are elevated, uh, specifically within Ascenton, and they sit higher than the national average uh, as reported by sort of the SAPOA office vacancy survey. And they actually came out with uh, the latest number for Q3 uh, of 2023, uh, which shows that uh, vacancies um, at a national level have office vacancies, that is, um, have compressed to about 15.5% nationally. And this comes from a peak of uh, 16.7% in the second quarter of 2022. So you've seen some compression, but it's a bit slow, and that's due to the oversupply in the market. And then on the demand side, what you have is that essentially the office market is very cyclical. It's very dependent on uh, GDP growth. It's very dependent on uh, employment growth as well. And unfortunately, because of the challenges we've had in South Africa from a load shedding point of view and the level of GDP growth, um, unfortunately, um, it's a bit difficult to see um, the office sector uh, reflecting uh, a recovery al- alongside the two other sectors. So I think it's going to be a bit of a, a, bit of a slow bleed um, over the next couple of years until such point that we get um, economic growth essentially being uh, sustainable and high enough to essentially support um, demand and uh, space, essentially t- space take up to essentially make up for the oversupply that we see in specific nodes. It's such an interesting sector because you do have these very different outlooks for them, as you've mentioned now about offices. And I, I, I guess it's very easy for people to say, but yes, there's a hybrid factor, work from home. We saw um, Meta, for instance, paying £149 million to get out of its lease in, in London, which obviously Correct. we saw there. Yeah, uh, but, but getting back to the retail side, I like the story there. Uh, what are your picks uh, of the property uh, listed stocks in the retail sector. In the retail sector, there's um, so speaking to the point of the sort of small convenience um, of uh, centers, which are basically like um, they 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 will be dependent more on your uh, sort of non discretionary type of tenants and uh, that type of spend. Um, I would say currently, given the valuation as well, there's a counter called SA Corporate SAC. Um, over sort of the last few years, it's done a good job of actually rotating into these type of centers and has done a lot of um, work in putting uh, proper capex into uh, into these uh, centers. Um, so I would say from a valuation point of view, um, it uh, looks quite attractive. Um, and in addition to that, that's, I think um, it's basically a story across the whole sector. It's not just um, on the sort of, um, you don't get uh, specific exposure to one sector. The advantage that it also has um, inner city a sort of residential exposure. It recently acquired a specialist um, residential counter called Into Place, which has um, exposure sort of to the inner city of Joburg and some uh, sort of suburban properties. Uh, so I think the combination of those essentially, even though this year they're going to report uh, sort of negative growth um, in sort of the mid-single uh, digit level, um, going forward, we basically believe that that exposure on the retail side uh, combined with sort of the benefits of, of the residential sector as well uh, should benefit the counter, especially given where it trades. Um, essentially, you're getting a yield close to about 13 14%, um, and it's essentially trading um, at a discount to NAV of about 50%. So from a valuation point of view, it's quite attractive, um, and I think, uh, yeah, essentially it's one of those picks um, compared to at least the other ones within retail uh, that are perhaps not um, screening as, as cheap as, uh, as a corporate. So that's one we like um, in retail, yeah. Kanyani, I can see you know your business. Uh, Kanyani Matlow is um, with Terra Brents, and I'm Alec Hogg from businessnews.com. <laughs>